Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Last week, Pastor Danny was talking more prophetically about the church and perhaps where the church in the Western society has gotten it wrong a little bit over the past few years, perhaps even decades. But there's a call for the church to come back to the intended purpose of God. And that when we line up with what God's purpose is, then there is a blessing that gets commanded through it. Can I encourage you today? We are the church. You see, it's not about the going, well, the church, they, they need to change. If we are the church, then the responsibility to change actually comes back to us. And so it's not just enough to go, hey, the Western church, we've got it wrong. Let's face it, we're part of the Western church. And so therefore, where have we got it wrong? And what do I need to do to make a shift, to make a change that's going to make the church more godly? You see, I think we have a global problem but I also think that it's going to be solved through an individual solution. It's not up to them. It's up to us. And it comes back down to the choices that we make. Because every single one of us is empowered to choose today. The Bible says, I've put before you a choice between life and death. Choose life. And so it's actually up to us to decide what we're going to do to further the church. You see, today, I want to take a slightly different slant. I'm going to preach in a different way to how I would normally preach. I'm going to preach in more of a testimony style this morning. Because when I last preached, I mentioned that I've been on staff for nearly 15 years. Now, actually, that anniversary happened this week. So I can actually now say that I have been on staff for 15 years. And when I mentioned that a few weeks ago, a number of people came up to me and they were like, well, how? How does that work? How can you stay on staff for 15 years? And I've got to answer, honestly, to me, it's normal. But what I know is that everyone's normal is different. And longevity is actually something which we do celebrate in our society, usually when it comes to birthdays of big numbers. But it's not actually something that often we stop and we look at and we go, how? How do you get to that place? Now, when it comes to birthdays, the how is pretty obvious, right? You get there because you are older. But when it comes to things like wedding anniversaries, when it comes to things like being on staff, longevity doesn't just automatically happen. Longevity becomes a choice. And right now, we are empowered to choose. And so for this morning, I just want to share with you a few things which are the secret of my success, if what you call me having is success. But I want to share a few keys that over the past 15 years, 
I can honestly say, yes, I have done that. And because of doing that, it has led me to this place. So first of all, as we jump in this morning, the first thing I want to say as a secret of my success is have a high view of God. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I can't answer for you, but I know that I have lots of ways and I have lots of thoughts. Some of those ways are just ingrained in me because of my upbringing. Sometimes farm boy ash comes out just purely because that was ingrained in me as I was growing up. Sometimes when I'm talking to my children, usually encouraging them, <laughs> I open my mouth and I hear my father's voice come out. And you look behind you, it's like, where did dad come from? Sometimes my ways and my thoughts are just there because they're just there. Sometimes my ways and my thoughts have been intentional. I realized I'm lacking something, and so therefore I need to go after it. And as I've understood more, as I've learned more, it's been brought into a way and a thought. Sometimes that has been completely unintentional. Sometimes, just because I've heard some stuff, it just automatically comes in. But regardless of whatever my ways and my thoughts are, they all need to be submitted to God. See, holding a high view of God helps keep me out of trouble. You see, I get in trouble when I elevate my ways and my thoughts. I get in trouble when I think I know best. And so I tell everyone what I think is best. And it puts me at a disadvantage. You see, I get in trouble when my preference becomes insistence. When I put my ways, my thoughts above, then what I prefer becomes my advice that you must. When preference becomes insistence, I find myself on shaky ground. See, holding a high view of God and a high view of his word cuts across my selfishness. Holding a high view of God helps me to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. Having a high view of God helps not even when it's right and wrong, but just what should I be doing? It cuts across my selfishness. There's an old saying, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. And that may be simplistic, but one of the things that I can testify to today is that it actually works. 
there are so many answers that have been given that I don't even have to think about anymore. I don't have to think about, hey, on a Sunday, am I going to be at church? Well, the answer is yes. Why? Because I'm preaching today? No. The answer is yes, because Jesus went to the synagogue as was his custom. And if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. And the Bible has said it, and if I apply it, I walk in the benefit of that. I don't have to think about that. You see, I came to a realization a long time ago that church actually isn't about me. I come to church to worship God. I come to church to be ministered to, and I come to church to minister to others. And that's why coming to church for me is a non-negotiable, partly because of having that high view of God, partly because church isn't just here looking at the back of someone's head. Church is what happens in the cafe when we have the chance to talk to each other and to help each other and to work out some of life's issues together. See, church isn't about me. I heard a saying the other week that when parents see church as optional, children see God as irrelevant. You see, it's not about me. It's about the others that I come in contact with. It's about my children that I want to see raised in a godly way. We celebrate Christian being on stage with his dad, and rightly so. But that's... That happens through example. It's about setting that example for others, having a high view of God. You see, I don't have to think about how I should treat others. The Bible is clear. Be kind, be compassionate, be loving, be caring, be forgiving. So I don't have to go, okay, should I be loving today? Well, having a high view of God says, yes, you should be loving today and every day after that. Do I have to forgive today? Having a high view of God says, yes, I have to forgive today. See, I said it's simplistic, but it doesn't make me a simpleton. You see, forgiveness, do I have to forgive today? Yes. Do I like forgiving? No. But I still have to. Do I have to love today? Yes. But that person, they're not very lovely. Doesn't matter. We love anyway because we have a high view of God. It's simplistic, but I'm not a simpleton. Just because I don't understand some things doesn't mean I have to doubt some things. For many of us, we drove here today in our car. For probably most of us, if I said, how does that engine work? The answer is, well, you put fuel in it, you turn the key, and it goes. True. That's a very simplistic answer. But you don't doubt the engine in your car just because you don't understand the engine in your car. You may not understand some of the things of God. I don't understand some of the things of God. But that doesn't mean I have to doubt. It just means that with a high view of God, I trust what he says whilst I'm working out my doubts. A high view of God has held me 
for 15 years on staff. How? Because I didn't choose this as a career option. I don't know any pastor that says, pick me, that's my career option. I'm in this position because I was called by God. And if I have a high view of God, it's not me that I'm trying to rely on here. I'm relying on the call of God in my life, and that's what's held me instead. Some people have said, well, why haven't you thought about planting a church? Because God hasn't called me to plant a church. I know God called me here. And until he calls me somewhere else, guess where I'm going to be? Here. I think that too often we're looking for something new, and the answer is do what God said last. I am here because God called me to here, called me here, and my high view of God is going to hold me here until he says something else. Honestly, have I always wanted to be here? No. Have my feelings said to me, run? Yes. Many times. And fast. <laughs> In bad moments, has my thought process gone down the line of, hey, what would this look like if? Of course they have. But they're not what holds me here. What holds me here is God's call. God said. And so if God said, it doesn't matter what I say. It matters that I listen to him. Have a high view of God. The second thing that's helped me to stay here for 15 years is live on purpose. As a pastor, I often get asked, what is the purpose for my life? Or what is God's will for my life? And the answer actually comes in two parts. There is the revealed will that God has. And it's called the revealed will, get this, because it's not hidden. It's called the revealed will because it's not secret. It's called the revealed will because it's the will of God for everyone. Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In short, what's the will of God for my life? When you boil it down, it's two things. Love God, love people. Oh, but God, what should I be doing? Love God, love people. Oh, but what about this girl that I like? Love God first, then love people. Oh, but, but what about, what career should I take? Love God, love people. But, but what's the specific will? Love God. Love people. Oh, but, but love God. 
love people. But my wife is really frustrating me. Love God, love people. But I want to kill my children. Love God, love people. What should I do, God? Love God, love people. If you can shorten that to anything other than a lifetime ambition, you're doing it wrong. If I try and shorten it to, oh, I'll love God in this area, but not this area, then I'm doing it wrong. I'll love some people and not others. I'm doing it wrong. Love God. Love people. Live on purpose. Love is the basis of everything that we should be doing. The trap. Love God, love people. It's so generic. It's so bland. I don't want to do that. Other people can do that. God, what do you want me to do? You know the answer. Love God, love people. But what's the specific thing that God has called me to do? You know what? I think there are specific things that God calls us to do. But it will always come out of love God, love people. You see, the trap we fall into is that just because we know it, we think we're doing it. What should I be doing, God? Love God, love people. Oh, but I do that. Really? Really, love God, love people. Because if you're doing that, the specifics of what God is calling you personally to do will become clear. To get to the specifics, do the general. Love God, love people. If you want more, then do what he said last. Love God, love people. But what should I be doing when I'm loving God and loving people? Develop your character. Because love should be coming from inside of us. It should be flowing naturally. And if it's not flowing naturally and you're loving people through gritted teeth, first of all, I want to say it's good that you're loving people, even though your teeth are gritted. Even though it's not what you want to do, but I'll do it anyway. Well done. Because you're still following what God says to do. Work on your character. Work on your love. Work on your God shape. How has God created you? What has he wired you to do? What gifts and talents has he given you? How are you developing those gifts and talents? Whilst loving God and loving people, work on you and allow that to form what the specific will of God is for your life. For me personally, from an early age, I felt God say, do all you can to build the local church. Who thinks that sounds more general than specific? I would much rather God have said, you will do this, then you'll do this, then you'll do this, but he didn't. For me personally, what he said was, do all you can to build the local church. And he gave that to me before I was employed at the church. 
See, for 11 years prior to coming to Victory, I worked as a maths teacher. I have been trained in torture. <laughs> but what that did give me was a captive audience. What that did give me was 25 students every hour that I could talk about Jesus to. What that did give me was an opportunity, a platform to share on, if you like, to other people about this God who loves them, who cares for them, and wants the best for them. Before I came on staff, I was still volunteering on Sundays. Why? Because I was doing all I could to build the local church. I was leading connect groups. Why? Because I was doing all I could to build the local church. Oh, is that how you got the job? No, that's what God told me. I was just being obedient to what God said. Again, way more general than I would like, but it's something that has held me in good stead. Live on purpose. Even in my time here at Victory, over 15 years, I've had numerous different roles, but I did all I could to build the local church. Last year, I moved back into finance, a role that I haven't done for about seven years. And a number of people said to me, oh, that's, that's a bit of a backward step, isn't it? No. It's a specific role requiring specific skills that I have, and all I need to do is all I can to build the local church. You see, it's not about me. All I need to do is love God, love people, and then fulfill the specific that I feel God gave me to be, do all I can to build the local church. The third thing, over 15 years, live unoffended. Causing offence has been made out to be this big thing within our society. I don't think it's the sin that it's made out to be. I'm offended. Maybe that says more about you than the person who's saying it. Are you offended because the other person is offensive? Or are you offended because something in you has triggered? And all of a sudden, this conversation has gotten a little bit difficult. You see, often we get offended when we disagree with someone and our emotions take over. The good news today, church, offense is guaranteed. It is going to happen. You know, Jesus himself was actually described as the rock of offense. You see... In 1 Peter 2, the Apostle Paul, quoting the prophet Isaiah, describes the church as living stones in a spiritual house. So all of us come together, build together, knit together in a spiritual house, the church. And the cornerstone, which in building times of the day was the most important stone, the cornerstone was often the largest stone and it was the one that was set first because from that stone, everything else got built. 
And Jesus was described as the cornerstone of this spiritual house. But in the very same passage, this cornerstone is also referred as the rock of offense. Quite literally, what it means is that Jesus, for those who don't believe, is quite literally the stumbling block. As people who don't believe are going about their day, literally they trip over Jesus. Oh, how does that happen? Through his church, through you, through me, as we live differently than the rest of the world. Literally, there is this point where people trip over Jesus. And there are some times that people are offended, not because of you, but because of the Jesus in you. And so causing offense is going to happen from time to time, perhaps not even just because of what you're doing, but just because there's Jesus in you. Do you know what? Offense is going to happen within the church. Why? Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You know that process of iron sharpening iron? That is offensive. Think for a moment, back to blacksmithing days. What does it mean for iron to sharpen iron? It means that there's got to be a, a roaring fire going where metal gets red hot. That red hot metal comes out to the anvil and literally gets hammered into shape. I don't know about you, but if I am that piece of metal coming out of the oven, out of the fire, and I'm getting hammered into shape, that's offensive. I don't want that but it's for my benefit. And so sometimes offense is caused for our benefit and how we respond to that changes everything. Offense is guaranteed in that blacksmithing process. It's hot, it's heavy, there's sparks flying. Offense is going to happen. Offense comes just because we're broken. It comes because of our sinful nature. Sometimes we react rather than respond to what is said. And offense comes. You know, being offended is guaranteed, but living offended or even living unoffended is a choice. You can choose what you are going to do with that offense. Over 15 years on staff, I have been offended lots. People have told me they'd do things and didn't. People have misunderstood my intentions. I've been accused of a whole range of things. But the question is, is that what are you going to do with that? I've been offended lots. But my testimony over 15 years is that you can live unoffended. How? By recognizing that as much as I've been offended by others, I've offended them. Sometimes harsh words have been said from me. Didn't mean it to come out that way, but sometimes it does because of our brokenness. But what we do with that is up to us. The only thing that covers offense in both directions is God's grace. And you access that grace through God's forgiveness. 
Next thing, over 15 years, the secret of my success. Keep showing up with a good attitude. I think that God can use anyone to further his kingdom. And it's been my experience that he loves to use the faithful and the full of faith. See, I would say that God doesn't necessarily use the most gifted. He uses those who are available. Over 15 years, I've seen many people who are more gifted than me, more eloquent than me. I've seen people who can just see things in the Bible that I miss. I've seen people smarter than me come. And yet I'm still here. And why I'm still here is quite simply because I keep showing up. Despite my flaws and my failings, I'm convinced that it's my perseverance that has held me in good stead. Again, I don't always feel like showing up. Sometimes I have to kick my own butt to show up. Sometimes I've had good friends kick my butt for me to keep showing up as well. But keep showing up with a good attitude. Eugene Peterson, who brought us the message translation of the Bible, says perseverance is long obedience in the same direction. It's long obedience. It's not a quick fix. It's not a once off. It's long obedience in the same direction. See, we all love new and shiny, but new and shiny sort of makes us like chasing butterflies at times. Oh, look, new and shiny. Oh, look, new and shiny. And yet perseverance is long obedience in the same direction. Make sure you keep showing up with a good attitude. Number five, keep growing. I'm not the same person that I was 15 years ago. Things have changed. My skill set has changed. My understanding of God has changed. Keep growing. When I was younger, and even watching my kids now, you think that growth is automatic. You get older, you go to school, you learn stuff, you keep growing. As I've gotten older, I've realized that growth is actually a choice. It's actually up to me to decide, no, I'm going to keep pushing forward. It's an active pursuit. If we're not active with our growth, we plateau. And when we plateau, quite literally we're saying, you can't teach me anymore. Quite literally we're saying, this is as good as I'm going to get. And I'm here to tell you today, there's more in you. You don't have to settle for this is as good as I'm going to get at any point. Keep growing. There's always something more to learn. Proverbs 4 verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. If you want to be wise, get wisdom. If you want to know, get understanding. Keep growing. For every person, that's going to look a little bit different. For some people, it's going to be formal education. If that's what it is, do it and keep growing. 
For some people, it's going to be informal education, just doing a bit of study, finding out some stuff because I want to know. Do you know what? If you have that thought, how does this work? Find out. Keep growing. Sometimes it happens just personally. There is so much wisdom in this room that if we use our cafe time well, we can find wisdom and knowledge in the people that are here. I love chatting with the people of this church. I love chatting with David Bailey. David is an engineer. He's in construction. He, he, he's building his house at the moment. He's built camper trailers. He's built, that's probably why I like it. <laughs> that's probably the reason, let's be honest. But I just love the way that he thinks about what he's building. I love chatting with Greg and Jean Downton and the journey that they're on at the moment and the hope that they give. It's wisdom right in this room that we can tap into. I love having a chat with Sam. Who's Sam? Best dressed guy in the church. You'll find him. He's in his suit today. I love chatting with Sam because he's newer to faith and he's discovering all of these things. And yet at the same time, he's here in his suit today and often you'll find him at nine o'clock raking leaves outside in his suit because he wants to give something back. I, I think we can learn something from everyone if we would just go and find the wisdom. Keep growing, church. Last thing, say yes. How I got to this place is just by saying yes. Sometimes that yes has been immediate and I've walked in to what I've said yes to with all of, everything's just wonderful. Can I tell you, sometimes my yes has been off of kicking and screaming and it's been that no that turns into a yes. Mm, yes. In 2015, we were having a time here at the church, just the staff. We had Pastor Scott Thornton with us over from life. We had this fantastic day. We were talking about church and moving things forward and, and you know, what P Pastor Scott could see. And it was like, it was fantastic. I really loved it. It was, it was great. Until 10 minutes before he had to jump on a plane and leave. As we're sitting around this boardroom table, Scott looks across everyone and says, Hey, have you considered Ashley for pastoral care? Everyone around the table seemed to be really keen on that idea. <laughs> Except me. I was in an operations role. I was behind the scenes. I was dotting I's. I was crossing T's. I was happy. Hey, have you considered Ashley for this? Everything inside of me was like, no! I was ready to give my best two-year-old temper tantrum. No! And yet over a period of a couple of months, God kept working on me. And helping me see 
what he had put in me. You see, it's not only enough to say yes to God, you need to say yes to godly leadership as well. Because godly leadership can often see more in you than you can see in yourself. Say yes. Say yes to the things of God. Say yes to godly leadership. Do you know what it took to get me here on this platform to preach? It took one day in 2016 when there was literally no one else. I got a phone call on a Saturday, lunchtime, saying, hey, can you preach tomorrow morning at 8.30? To which I went, yes. I don't remember much of that sermon. I remember the kindness of God and the kindness of God's people because I don't think it was that great. But what I do know is saying yes to the first time has brought me to this place. A place where I've done so many things that I never thought I would do, never thought, it was never part of my plan. But in saying yes to God and yes to godly people, God always meets us where he needs us. Say yes, church, today. If someone taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, have you considered running a connect group? Say yes. Have you considered joining one of our teams? Say yes, because it's in the small things first that we often find the bigger things of God. Can I encourage you, church, say yes. As the rest of the band comes and we bring this to a conclusion. You may be sitting here this morning saying, well, hey, it's all right for you, you're a pastor. Can I tell you that's both true and false? It actually is all right for me, but it's not because I'm a pastor. It's all right for me because I have made it all right for me. It's all right for me because I know that there has been a cost to be paid, but I'm willing to pay it. It's been all right for me because even though I've had to wrestle at times, this life may not be easy, but it is worth it. But it's also false. Because as a pastor, I am not a professional Christian. There is no such thing as a professional Christian. In fact, someone sent me an email last week. And it says, the definition of a pastor is a beggar showing other beggars where to find bread. It's all right for me because I've chosen this to be all right for me. It's not because I'm a pastor that I've done this, but by doing this, it's qualified me to become a pastor. God doesn't have favorites. I am no more special to God than you are. God's grace and forgiveness is available to all. And I'm here to tell you today that these six things have held me in good stead over the past 15 years. And I'm sure that if you would apply them as well, they will hold you in good stead for the rest of your lives. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.